0: Hello and welcome to the Dirt. I'm Laura, Grow Your Own Magazine's editor, and I'm joined by my deputy and co-host Blake.
1: We have had a total blast recording this series of the Dirt podcast from our homes, and we hope you've loved it too. Now that Series Two has come to a close, it felt only right that we reflect on some highlights from the past fourteen weeks.
0: This series of the Dirt has been in association with Beer Fifty Two and we'll let you know how to get your hands on a fabulous crate of eight craft beers for free, just pay postage. And as if by magic our latest beer 52 boxes have arrived so we're going to crack open a refreshing can while we take a look back
1: at our favourite moments. So without further ado let's get started with some info about what our guests have been up to in their gardens this year as well as interesting stories from the horticulture community. Here are some of our first highlights before we dig deeper into the successes and failures.
2: This is in my own gardens, Um, but I would say that the thing that's in the last few years with having an allotment and then having this garden here is I'm getting a real love for herbs. Mm. It's a real kind of, they take care of themselves, they keep the soil structure really good, um, they grow without you having to do anything and they look incredible, the textures of them, the scent of them, the the way you can use them. I'm very into what you can use. They're
1: really underrated, aren't yeah. they? I think just that they look so nice and I don't think yeah. people always appreciate yeah.
2: that. Completely. I mean I've I've got loads of herbs in my garden for now for this for this um programme. It's all about growing your own. And my thing was I wanted lots of herbs. And then um, ITV also wanted me to have lots of flowers to make it colourful. And I found as soon as we finished the filming, I was just like, I don't want these flowers. I took them all out. And <laughs> I've just got now green, different shades of green and yeah. textures um, of, of herbs. And they just look incredible. I think they're just, yet, yeah, like you say, completely underrated as, as a group of plants. Um, so you mentioned working
0: with community... Good times. And also, while I was off, I heard about a survey that AO have done, which might seem like a bit of a strange partnership AO, the electrical goods company, doing a gardening survey, but that's the way of it. (laughs) And I just wondered what your thoughts are on this. Basically, 2,000 people were surveyed and It gave up some some stats on a new generation of gardeners. It basically said that millennials give their garden or outdoor space a makeover seven times a year. What? What?
1: Seven times? It feels like
0: a lot of times a year. (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming they don't mean re-landscaping. Maybe it's like take out the annuals, bung in something new, have a little shift around of plants. But it also said, which I thought was really interesting, that over half of them say that their outdoor space is their favorite part of the home.
1: Same. I love my outdoor space. Yeah, I feel like it's an extension of my house. It my really little is. bench out there that I can go and eat al fresco in the evenings in the summer.
3: I'm quite shocked about the statistic. I guess every seven months, that's sort of like every no sorry seven times that's every other month isn't it
0: yeah pretty much it is and that's why I wonder what it means exactly by give it a makeover like does it just mean move some plants about because I can yeah, get or bored like, with buy that, a new piece just... of furniture or
1: something
0: <laughs> yeah Paint something. Or... yeah and I think you know that's great and another thing that um the survey also brought up is obviously lockdown plays a certain part in this now. And 66% of those surveyed said that they've had more time in their garden, which obviously makes sense. And then a further 62% say that this space has been vital to their well-being during lockdown. And I know that's obviously something that we've touched on quite a lot.
4: nice to watch that balance I
1: think that's true and sometimes we lose sight of the fact that you know it doesn't matter too much if you don't get a a mahusive you know glut of something it's not the end of the world and you can try again next year and perhaps get a slightly better haul so yeah I
4: think that's that's very true and there's also I think I don't know about you two, but I I sometimes suffer from fear of missing out, and I feel <laughs> yes. if I haven't managed to sow on time, you know, I'm yeah. going to you know, I won't get the crop, and other people are getting it. And you read about wonderful varieties, and you think oh, I want to grow them all, but you can't. There's only so many growing seasons and so much space, isn't there? Yeah, that's
0: definitely. It. I think that's part of what makes growing so addictive, though, that you think, well, if I can't do that this year. I'll try it next year. And there's always something else on the horizon, isn't there? There's always something to aim for and look forward to. Yeah, yeah. I
4: I think we need that kind of wanting to grow, don't we? And that desire to grow and always thinking ahead. And, you know, there's always pictures in your mind of what it's going to turn out like, whether it does or not.
1: (laughs) So I love getting new ideas. Monty's dog <laughs> everyone's like they're back to talking about Monty Don's <laughs> dogs again um Monty's dog Nelly had a bit of an accident <gasps> where she yeah. impaled herself on a stick oh, no. but yeah and we hadn't spoken about it on here yet but um I'm bringing the news this week that she's okay and Yay. she's recovered and back to normal and Monty posted a photo of her like um at his feet with a stick like trying to get him to throw it and he said he's not going to anymore and that's the moral of the story apparently is that I didn't realize this but this is quite common um a lot of dogs actually get injured and have uh accidents with sticks so don't throw them get a ball
3: yes I must admit when I was growing up um my parents used to say to me when we had a dog um don't throw a stick because it's quite dangerous but yeah it is just goes to show and it was like quite a near miss wasn't it like she could have been really hurt yeah so
1: so it's good she's all recovered yeah she can help out on the vegetable plot again all is good
0: oh well i'm glad to hear she's okay
3: That's off to the rich brothers for knowing how to do that absolutely so um I have a story to do with 2021 garden trends. Uh, I'm Ooh. scared that already it, we're looking towards 2021. I feel like, where has 2020 gone? Although I'm quite pleased that it's nearly over. Yeah. <laughs> um. But it's a study from um, Love the Garden and they've actually come up with the t- sort of the 10 top trends that they think are going to be big next year. Right. Um, quite a lot of them I sort of expected and were already big this year example wild gardens I feel like wild gardening was like the thing for 2021 mm. like we were all sort of which is great like growing our gardens wild and encouraging pollinators uh, as well as things like balcony gardens i feel like that was a big thing this year as well mm. but uh so they're continuing on to next year 2021 or so they they think um but there are lots of other things that are quite surprising things like tiny gardens which uh mm. i feel like it's come out of people who have really really small spaces and they're sort of celebrating this by sort of sharing pictures of their really tiny gardens online with the hashtag tiny gardens so that's something to look out for so even if you have a small space that's in at the moment um, Um, also things uh, permaculture gardens which is sort of like working with uh, nature rather than against it sort of having a sustainable garden Um, what else and there's things like uh, lots of sort of other designy things as well apparently bringing the inside outside is going to be a big trend for example having a rug outside not quite sure how that'll work (laughs) I guess you'd have to remember to sort of bring it in before it rains And things.
0: Mm. Well, putting new plants in over autumn sort of brings us nicely onto a story that I've found on The Guardian. Um, it's James Wong's most recent article on there. If you are looking to add to your garden this autumn, be careful about where you're getting your plants from. Because he is talking about illegal plant trafficking. <gasps> oh. Dun, dun, dun. oh, Did you even know that was a thing? No. <laughs> no. Honestly, I didn't. Well, he has said that social media has done incredible things for gardening, opening up sort of new techniques, giving people an insight into it. But he said that there have been some more problematic practices that have seen a plethora of wild, collected, sometimes endangered plants flooding social feeds and auction sites, he says. He's also said that non-specialists would assume that you'd have to delve into the dark web and that sort of (laughs) thing, like drug dealers to find these trafficked plants, but actually it's not the case and they're quite often on your standard internet auction sites and alongside legitimate plants, so you don't actually know that you're buying something that you shouldn't be. That's quite shocking, isn't it? Um, And he said that there are some clear warning signs if you know what to look for. So this is a really useful, um, really useful feature to have a look at if you're in the market for something a bit unusual yeah. in the garden. Um, but he said that. They... So Blake, we've had scandal, we've had herbs, we've had <laughs> injured dogs. It's been a hell of a
1: series. That was a really good taster of what to expect. Like if you're a new person to the dirt right now, that was a nice little you know, a cross-section of what we look at when we're we're talking about stuff. But yeah, it's interesting going back to that first episode with Frances Tophill and her talking about herbs. I've been thinking about that quite a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. Every time with clearing um, my own garden as we're getting into autumn and looking at the space, I've been thinking, I need more herbs. And I'm with her on the fact that they're just such a great group of plants that we don't really harness enough of, I think. So I think maybe my plan for the autumn is thinking about which types of herbs I want to fill my garden with next year.
0: Good plan. I would also say I definitely feel the same way as Anne Swithenbank about fear of missing out. I was going to say this
1: as well I've written on my (laughs) notepad FOMO. It's so easy to get FOMO in the gardening world isn't it because everybody's growing different things they've got different gardens different soil types like can have success with different crops um so when you see other people doing well with stuff it's just like i want that
0: well speaking of successes i think we can all agree gardening successes come in all shapes and forms from teaching the next gen of growers successful cultivation by laying face down digging on the plot with hand (laughs) tools to bumper crops of tomatoes so Shall we have a listen to some of the big wins from the season?
1: Let's do that.
5: We're really, you know, getting there. So uh, it's been a hard slog, but that's, you know, the biggest success I think for us, that we're actually growing on a site that was just, you know, I was getting strange looks from the other plot holders, lying face down on the soil, (laughs) digging out tree stumps with a trowel and hand fork. Wow. So, um, but yeah.
3: That must have been quite um, intimidating almost sort of coming at it. And it's so overgrown. Did you at any point sort of think, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I can do this. Or was it, were you always sort of motivated? Yeah, I agree. I think,
5: yeah, I think that, you know, you're right. It can be really daunting, especially when it's something, you know, I expected it to be, you know, my mind's eye. I thought maybe like a, a small corner of a, a plot. And then when I got shown around, it was just like this huge piece of land. It was like the size of a tennis double, like a yeah. court. And it was just, uh, it was massive. And it was a bit daunting. But, um, but yeah, it's just literally, it's just been chipping away at it. And it's not been overnight. No. And it's been a lot of work. But it's, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's taken a while. But we're, we're we're getting there. We're still
6: getting there. This year, they're doing really well. I think it's because of the weather, but I'm growing loofah for the um, only the second time. Um, And most people, when I say I'm growing loofah, look at me really strangely, thinking that they're growing the sea. Mm -hmm. So they think they're like sponges. They don't realize that they grow like a cucumber in your greenhouse.
1: Where has that come from? Why do people think that?
6: I don't know. I think people think like, you've got. so say you've got a sponge and you've got a loofah and you both use them both in the bathroom, like when you're having a shower. I think people just think they're the same thing. I don't think they realise they're actually different. But when you say you grow them on a plant, people just look at you as if it's April Fool's Day straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not until you start showing pictures or telling them about it that people actually start to realise. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, they're going really well at the minute. I've got about four on one plant that they do. They turn into, um, did you ever watch, um oh, what was the... Little shop of horrors with Audrey too. The plant that eats everyone—it's <laughs> huge. It's turned into Audrey. Yeah. It's um, it's massive. It's taking over the greenhouse. But yeah, it's quite interesting to, to to actually grow.
1: My flowers came along on my loofah plant and um, and then have dropped off now. So I don't know quite what happened and what I did wrong, but oh we'll no, see. Oh
6: Yeah, yeah, they do. They, they, they get quite a lot of flowers on them. You get quite a few male flowers on them to start with. I think it's when it's normally a bit cooler, um, and then the female ones come along later that what i didn't know until this year like i've grown them before but i didn't know until this year that they're actually edible when they're small as well yes. So you can eat them like courgettes so again we're back to courgettes <laughs> <laughs> something else that we can use like courgettes <laughs> um but when they're small you can eat them but now they're a bit bigger if you if you squeeze them they're actually starting to not go soft but they they feel spongy already mm. they feel like little
0: I think we should all get cracking with that. Um,
1: I've got a bit of a dilemma. Uh, instead of a news story this week, yeah. so I was wondering whether you could help.
0: We can certainly try.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm running into an agony arm <laughs> now. But, um,
0: We're here for you. Blake. I have
1: too many tomatoes. I didn't think that this was going to be the mm. case, but I have too many tomatoes, um, and I don't know what to do with them. They're ripening <laughs> up too quickly. Some have been splitting because it's been so hot, and I haven't been picking them quick enough. Uh, and I wondered whether you have any ideas for what I can do with a tomato glut. Ooh.
0: I mean, firstly, there really is no such thing as too many tomatoes. It's just <laughs> <laughs> as an all-at-once problem, I think. Yeah, that's it. I think they're one of the
3: easiest, like, vegetables or fruits, um, to use up. Rather than like courgettes, I think you can get a bit bored of them. Like you could do soups or passata
1: or... Yeah, I was thinking um, passata is quite a good yeah. bet because I could make a bulk load and then you um yeah. it's got a multitude of use, uses. Mm. I like roasting them. So so far, I've kind of just been... I've been going out and picking them every time I have a salad or mm. if I make burgers, obviously, or mm. if I am having a roast, I always roast some tomatoes in there. Mm. Or if I'm having a breakfast style, mm-hmm. I'll fry them up so that's kind of what I've been doing but there's just too many they're coming too quickly so I need to do something with them before I don't want to waste them.
0: Do you like dried tomatoes?
1: Like sun-dried tomatoes? Yeah. Can I do that?
0: Well I reckon probably not very easily outside in the unpredictable UK summer but I think what you can do is you can put your if you haven't got an actual dehydrator which you could get a dehydrator I suppose but you can put your oven on like its lowest, lowest, lowest setting and then prop mm. the door open with a wooden spoon or something and leave them in there all day. I don't so know you how you feel about your oven heat. being on all day in the <laughs> heat at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just sort of dry them out a bit. Obviously, there's also chutneys. I know people have mixed feelings on chutneys, but
3: oh, I, I quite know,
1: like tomato great. chutney. I'd be down yeah, for
0: that. Yeah. It's a shame
3: you can't pickle them. Bloody Mary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I hate that so much. I <laughs> think sorry. it's weird.
3: Why would you want a savory drink?
1: Like I just savory. think tomato juice in Cold general is just a bit right Problematic, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: especially with vodka in it. I don't know. Why. I
7: mean, it's great. I mean, especially during lockdown, the garden has just been you know, a haven and a, a sort of source of education for us and the kids. Mm. Um, and they've learned, they've learned so much about how to look after soil, how to look after plants, how they grow. Um, and actually one of the lessons we were given for my daughter, she's six to learn was like how plants um grow and what nutrients they need and I was almost shocked you know it's just they say four things they need some sunlight a bit of water and some nutrients and I was like actually that's so much more actually they need the fungi they need the bacteria they need good soil structure so I, I feel I've given her you know much more education about what's going on in the soil um, and also you know all the sort of the insects and the microbes and what's going on so mm. she I feel you know I've passed that on to her and they sort of really enjoy now digging through the the soil they fight over worms. (laughs) who's going to hold a millipede (laughs) um there's just there's so much wildlife that I think has come into the garden because we're growing organically because we're mulching because we're using this compost um, and we actually we put a wildlife camera uh, next to a patch of sort of newly composted ground and the amount of wildlife that have come to sort of forage about in this patch has been incredible mm. so um, we, we looked at the footage the other day and there's there's a couple of field mice that have come to play in there there's a big toad that sits <laughs> on top of it uh, there were these two birds that are playing these like chase chasey game hiding in and out um among the growth i mean it's been amazing it's like a little mini wildlife blockbuster movie and it's all because you know we're we're encouraging all these insects and bugs and beetles and things to sort of live in our garden as well so it's it's just been amazing
0: um blake so i think probably the most important question following on from this
1: (laughs) is is what did you do with
0: your tomatoes
1: (laughs) gave a lot away is the truth (laughs) to (laughs) anyone that would have them (laughs) um i also made some passata which was really really good and i made some and froze it as well which i've still got in there which i'm hoping is going to be okay to use later in the year um good work so yeah and then I'm not going to lie, a few stayed on there and then started to like go a bit too ripe. So You'll get volunteer
0: tomatoes next year.
1: I know. I know. Everywhere, probably. <laughs> I feel a bit guilty about that and a bit guilty confessing that, but...
0: Never feel guilty, Blake. As we say, this is a safe space for gardeners.
1: Sometimes you can just be too successful, apparently, and that was <laughs> me with my tomatoes this year. I'm too good at it.
0: Well... There you go. You can't complain about that.
1: Unfortunately, I'm not as good at growing loofahs. Um, I don't know how that snuck into the best bits. I think it's probably in most people's worst bits having to hear about this again. But <laughs> um, yes, uh, I failed completely at those loofah plants. So
0: Will you be trying again next season?
1: I might do. I feel a bit disheartened by the whole thing it was a long growing season <laughs> with a lot of attempts of trying to win those luffa plants back around and it didn't work so I might just try something else next year but who knows because I think sometimes when it gets to like the end of January start of FIP, you just have this renewed kind of burst of energy for growing those things that you maybe didn't do so well last time around so perhaps I will.
0: Mm. And you wouldn't be alone? with Garden Fails?
1: No, so things don't always go to plan in the garden, obviously, and when things go wrong, we love to celebrate them. Um, this series has been packed with some good ones, so should we take a listen?
0: you on to another side of your gardening career. Can you tell us about any of your mishaps or things that haven't gone quite as quite to
8: plan? Oh, I'm sure I can find one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the, the biggest mishap was falling out out of a stepladder. That that wasn't very pleasant. But uh, um, it was all right till I hit the ground. Um, (laughs) But no, my my biggest frustration was growing carrots. Right. It was always, you know, problems with carrot root fly and growing on an allotment site. It's very difficult. You you can take all steps to protect your crops. But, you know, people are coming down thinning their carrots to grow another crops and things are happening. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm I'm talking about 1970 now. And um, I went down there one day and sort of, and the carrots were just germinating, and I watered them with lindane, which was a recommended um, chemical to use for controlling carrot root fly. And What happened was, round about that time, there was lots of sort of um, traffic in the newspapers on about how dangerous Lindane was. And when I discovered it, because it was really, really sort of nasty, I went straight over the allotment, because we had a young family at the time, and I dug the carrots up and I destroyed them, and made a decision there and then to be organic as possible, and um Never, I've never sort of gone back from that. So it, 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 it was one of those things. That now, of course, there are not plenty, but there are ways and means around it for growing healthy carrots.
0: It's really interesting that you... other side of the coin can Um, you tell us about any of your gardening failures that are particularly noteworthy or that gave you a bit of a giggle at the time or
9: i don't know about a giggle (laughs) 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 um yeah yeah (laughs) not so many recently thank goodness you know because with age does come a bit of wisdom (laughs) but back when i was back in my 20s i did some crazy things i I remember one year I, i wanted to grow more carrots i was organic approved in those who had a symbol and a, there was a big shortage of organic carrots and I thought well this shouldn't be too difficult and I hired a guy to rotate half an acre of ground and then he had a drill and he drilled carrot seeds in half an acre and they came up and then so did the chickweed. Oh and no. Three of us spent a whole day hoeing the chickweed and then it drizzled a bit. This was spring and the chickweed basically carried on growing <laughs> and the following week oh, another go, so we hoed again and chickweed we kept on growing, we hoed a third time. Oh. We never got on top of that chickweed oh, and no. I never harvested one single carrot from that half acre.
0: But you had half an acre and of chickweed
9: unfortunately. Basically, yeah. But do you know what I did manage to sell a bit. Oh well <laughs> every yeah, cloud. It's edible. The the wholesaler who I sold it to he wasn't that impressed and he said my customers were not convinced <laughs> anyway we tried a few things but it, what that taught me was that there is a saying actually something like chickweed follows the rotavator yeah. and and that you know relates to no dig you know and, that, and not having weeds when you don't stir the soil. but it, rotavating is, is a massive disruption and and the weed for me the chickweed is a healing mechanism but th- those roots are very fine and fibrous and they they bind it together having you know where the machine had broken it apart so that's for me that's what's going on so that mistakes always teach you something and and looking back on it they're great but at the time it's not much fun
1: so don't worry listener at home if you're making mistakes
10: and um my final fail is um it's a personal one which i don't think really i should be admitting but i will anyway <laughs> i am completely slug phobic <sighs> i can't bear them oh, no. and uh I, they just give me the heebie jeebies, and I have to hold this down in front of the children because they can't see me <laughs> run screaming away from a So I really have to um, just uh, try to be uh, calm and um, say, uh, Oh, yes, that's like, do you want to go and pop it over there? You know. And- <laughs> so at home um my partner he hates spiders he's arachnophobic and um I don't mind them I deal with the spiders he deals with the slugs snails are okay because there's something to hold on to but slugs (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness I, I can't I yeah and that's that's a bit of a failure I need to overcome that one but uh it's been there a long time
1: they are a so bit know. gross, though, aren't they? And They're it just,
10: sounds
0: like oh. a good routine with this you dealing with the spiders. And, you know, that seems like a fair
10: deal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. But, uh, yeah. The, the, you know, when I've... there have been a couple of times I've accidentally touched a slug and <laughs> I jump a mile and, yeah. It just, it just even talking about it makes me sort of... Uh, <laughs> just, yeah.
5: Anyway. Have you found- I do, I
7: do have so many fails. My, my, the worst fail I had was actually at the start of lockdown. It was on Mother's Day. And I was doing the chop and drop method. So I was trying to prune some hedges and drop all the uh, the stuff down for mulch. Mm. But I ended up cutting the tip of my finger off with the secateurs.
0: <gasps> oh, no. And
7: Ouch. <laughs> my husband had just gone on a, a mammoth um mountain bike cycle so he wasn't around he's a doctor which would have been helpful for him to be around Um <laughs> yeah. uh, my my poor kids were like running around trying to get me bandages and it was just I was excruciating but I was just I was so annoyed at myself I didn't know how I did it and I just thought you know this is the time when I can be doing the most gardening and I've actually injured my hand <laughs> and can't oh, did it put you out of
1: action for a bit it
7: yeah it did well and also because now I've got this fear of the secateurs like every time I see it I can, yeah. like, keep reliving what happened. Yeah. So, you know, I couldn't really grasp things well. I couldn't really dig very well. I mean, it was good for the kids because I taught them how to to dig a lot and put things in the ground. So I suppose it was good for them. But, yeah, I really wish I hadn't done that. Um, Other fails have been I tried to make.
11: Is sweet corn actually. Have you guys grown sweet corn before? No,
1: never. No. I'm a bit scared of growing it. They're so tall. <laughs> my
11: garden's too small. So, well, actually, I've grown it in a tiny bit of my allotment. I've actually got two allotments now. I inherited one, I was given one by an allotment neighbour, Ken, who was like my allotment dad, and he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But so I've been on a bit of a journey with um, my sweet corn. So I've had my allotment for four years. For three of those years, I have tried growing sweet corn with horrific results so first year i managed to generate something called uh corn smut on my sweet corn yes So it looks like (laughs) right. I didn't know, Laura. I didn't know that it's a delicacy, and I thought some kind of hideous disease had besieged my sweet corn. And it is like grey aliens, like climbing out of the cobs,
1: isn't it? Imagine getting served that in a restaurant.
11: (laughs) It was like it was terrifying. I went up to, so I was really excited. This is my first time growing them. I kept checking them to make sure that they were turning yellow, and they were really, really slowly turning yellow. And I came back onto the plot approached my uh sweet corn bed to find these like gray growths like spewing out of the cobs and i i'm quite embarrassed to admit this but I was quite scared. I don't know why, but it really quite terrified me. And then the next day I came back, showed my partner and we just got rid of the entire crop because I thought, well, Mm. some disease has got in and I've got the devil growing out of my sweet corn. So got rid. And then after some research discovered that it was a delicacy in Mexico and people pay money to eat it.
0: But I suppose even if you had known that, would you have wanted to eat it anyway? I mean, that's a very good point.
11: It looked hideous so that was year one that was my disaster of year one so I went on to year two
6: to go out one day I remember going out last year and just looking at my strawberries and thinking you know when you 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 look at your plants you think that looks a bit that doesn't look normal yeah um touched it and it came off like a wig it was literally (laughs) like a small strawberry wig on top of the soil (laughs) and there was one root on it and then you look where the root should be, and it was just squirming with the vine weevil. And then you've got to get rid of all the soil, and you can't like put it into the garden or anything like that. Mm. And I was paranoid because one of my friends said put it in a wheelbarrow, and the birds will come and pick them out. But then I was paranoid that they might like squirm over the side and get into the garden. So <laughs> you're trying to bag the soil up and take it away and like get it disposed of.
1: They're pretty nifty little things as well. They do move quite quickly. Yeah, they're... I've found oh, like if I put yeah. if I put them out in the wheelbarrow like that. Yeah, they do squirm around. Quite they really go the wheel, for it, trying, don't they? yeah. So you have to
6: be careful. So that's my uh, yeah, that's
1: my So yeah, the Facebook group was Family Lockdown Tips and Ideas and Janet Oswald from London posted a photo of like a handful of very tiny carrots that she'd produced. And Aww. she said These little blighters were in the ground for no less than 112 days. Please excuse my disappointment, laughing face. After weeks of waiting, we have finally harvested our first batch of homegrown carrots. I'm so glad I spent all those hours... Toiling over them because instead of wasting 38p for a whole bag of the things, we've managed to grow these, costing us roughly 870 pounds in woman <laughs> hours blood, sweat, tears, fertilizer, compost, and water. Oh my
3: goodness. And I
1: just thought that was so the yes, dirt it is. and so relatable. That's a lot Very of
3: women hours as well. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that is. I I feel her pain. And then
1: underneath, like it's just sparked this whole thing of thousands of people commenting pictures of their gardening fails from this year, including like a Tiny potato that somebody made and lots of like really spindly carrots. um One person showed a pretty sizable, I'm going to a pretty sizable radish that, but she put my first ever radish. It took two months and there was nothing wrong with it. It was lovely. So just one. I like that radish. positivity nice. that she has.
3: She was like, you know what? It does looks weird, yeah. but it's great. I love it. Yeah. But
1: carrots are that. definitely the thing that people have been struggling with. That last clip where we were talking about that Facebook group where people were just listing the worst oh, yeah. fails they'd had in their vegetable garden all year. There was nothing more the dirt than that it was Facebook so group, I don't think.
0: Yeah, it was so good. And all of it was so relatable. <laughs> Definitely.
1: And Pauline's slug phobia, I think, might be my best fail of the season. It's not even a fail, is it? It's just like... In terms of being a garden that doesn't like slugs, um, that's a pretty big uphill struggle yeah. because they are everywhere. Oh,
0: definitely, yeah.
1: And I liked her admitting that she has to get her, the kids in the school she works at um, to move them <laughs> for her like in a really subtle <laughs> Pretending way. Pretending she's not scared.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do think that must be something that she has to, I well, certainly if she had my garden, something she has to overcome on almost a daily basis. <laughs> Um, I also thought Natalie talking about the sweet corn smut was really funny because she's absolutely right. If, if you see that for the first time and don't <laughs> yes. know that you can eat it, the very last <laughs> thing that you would think of doing is putting it anywhere near your mouth.
1: I'm quite surprised that nobody has ever brought that up before, actually. When she said it, I was like, oh God, yeah, of course. Why has this never been mentioned on the podcast before? Yeah,
0: and also I'd but love right. to know who was the first person that saw that and thought,
1: well, mm. let's give it a try they were hungry that day <laughs> <laughs> i mean you'd have to be wouldn't you um anyway we should probably take a little pit stop have an interval and talk about beer 52 and then after that i think it'll be time for some handy hacks and shortcuts and also some Bunny team chat topics
0: that sounds good to me
1: If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss.
0: The kind people at Beer 52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers, sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward dirt and cover the 5 95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house.
1: If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack.
0: We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves, and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so you can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers.
1: So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the 5 95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers five and two dot com forward slash dirt.
0: One of the best things about the gardening community is the sharing of tips and tricks and learning from each other. Our guests have brought some amazing growing tips to the potting bench and we wanted to remind you of some of our favourites. Remember, if you have any top tips of your own, get in touch and you could be a guest on the next series of The Dirt.
5: Your plants that need it, kind of thing, need a feed. I definitely did that to my squash I was talking about the other day. And another thing is, um, kind of plant for your plant for your ecosystem and your bees and your obviously, no one knows about bee friendly stuff. But there's other things out there that you could kind of make homes for. Like, everyone has these prist, pristine, pristine, sorry, pristine beds and borders mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm not about that. I don't like. I like structure and stuff. But I find like every place has a like. If you make little habitats around your plants and your like your kind of your veg beds and stuff like that it will bring in inhabitants and I've kind of already said this, but it will bring in kind of beneficiaries to your area. So you don't have to use pests and kind of pest. I mean, pest control products and like slug pellets and sprays and all sorts and like sticky, sticky, you know, those people have those like sticky, like, you know, people get woolly aphid on your mm. apple trees and mm. stuff. Like if you had an abundance amount of, if you had more ladybirds in the area, I'm sure you wouldn't have to kind of deal with those little weird kind of pyramidy TP type things hanging off your mm. tree and stuff like that. But yeah, there's just so many different ways. There's like, if you get the right balance then you're happy and like I said I'm still working I'm not I'm not perfect I'm still working on that balance but I just I don't even know what your question was that's how much I've talked, of, <laughs> talked about. I'm still thinking about this wee thing and thinking about <laughs> yeah. how I'm gonna convince my nan when I
1: next go round that I need to wee on her garden to make stuff better but I'm, I might I might
5: drop it into conversation and see what the reaction's like <laughs> yeah dilute, de- definitely dilute just don't it first, forget to dilute it yeah yeah because you can kill a plant if you're it too I've, I've tested it you can kill a plant <laughs> if you're it too much
0: um we normally finish off by sort of asking the garden that you like to use
12: so yeah i was just going to talk about mulching mulch 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 your beds um my compost heap is my probably favorite thing in the allotment um i just yeah. love bringing our our veg scraps there and and all the green waste and just knowing that it's going to turn into a kind of lovely black black goodness um by the end so get into get get into composting I'd say um especially then you don't need to, to need to put so much trust in these other companies to to provide compost for you when you can do it yourself so I've mm. got two huge heaps so next year I should be self-sufficient in compost.
1: and it will save a lot of money oh, as well doesn't it when you do it. Yourself. yeah
12: yeah and and actually it, there's places you can kind of go around and and kind of beg beg for beg <laughs> for things so I, I yeah um one of one of the ideas is um I know I keep mentioning Charles but here we go I'm clearly a fangirl um <laughs> Charles <We're laughs> Charles when I, yeah when I visited he, he said that he used spent hops and, and he said that they were a green waste And so green is the is is the mm-hmm. ni- nitrogen rich uh, stuff that you need a, a lot of and and I didn't have I don't have that much Um. And so when he said it was green even spent hops I was like, oh, there's a brewery really close by to me. Oh my goodness so I don't have a car, but we kind of like brought this big trolley and um, Called the brewery ahead of time and they gave us loads of bags of free um spent hops So I'm super excited about that. So basically yeah, so just like get creative where where to get things, you know, knock on your neighbors' doors and ask them for their vegetable scraps (laughs) because if they go to you, it's actually better better than going to municipal sites as well because you cut down on transport and all that kind of thing. So yeah, compost, compost, compost is um is a good one.
1: Um so I've got a super cool story for you and the reason why I'm saying it's super cool is because it's about plants that have the ability to cool things. Specifically, the RHS and the University of Reading have just done some new research um, looking into the properties of different plants to find out which ones might be best for um, cooling a building, essentially like reducing the humidity inside. Um, Rose, I know that you know what this is because uh, we've yes. both read it, but Dan, you might not. So what do you think the plant might be?
13: Well, my head immediately goes to something like medicinal that you know can help if you're you're in like a bit of bother. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I was always told the dock leaf, cools sea nettles if you've been stung. So like something like a dock leaf that's also
1: really big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You'd need quite a lot, I think, to cover the side of a building to cool it down. Um, But the leaves get huge, don't they? I see the logic with where you were going there, but no. The correct answer is ivy. Oh,
13: well, it's it's not hard to get that to be prolific, but does it not damage buildings?
3: I always used to worry about that as well, because when you know when you drive past and you see houses that are just completely covered with ivy, Mm. I used to be like, don't they have a really bad problem with bugs or in the brickwork
13: damp in the brickwork yeah. I was assumed
3: but that's interesting you said that because I think um Blake after I read that as well they said that people think that it causes damp but actually it doesn't
13: oh. yeah no, it's
3: not damp
1: causes. yeah it reduces humidity and cools buildings really really well um I think I feel like it's the kind of thing people probably already realize that that's why they grow it up the sides of buildings but um nice to have the data to back it up so the RHS principal horticultural scientist commented, our research is an important step forward in growing our understanding of green walls. Many people with limited space are turning towards vertical gardening as a way of greening their homes or workplaces.
5: the So I like that sort of duality.
0: That's really great. And I think it's nice to hear that you can grow slightly more unusual things that people might not think of beyond just the... The potatoes, the beans, the carrots, because obviously they're great. But sometimes, and I guess particularly if you've been growing for a while, it's nice to have a little bit of an experiment with other things.
1: I think it's always worth having a challenge. And I think one of the the, the great joys of of gardening for me, of horticulture, is that you know I'm, I'm cited by various people as as uh, as an expert. And what I tend to say to that is, well. I've just spent longer making more screw-ups than anybody else. <laughs> um, and so I've sort of figured some stuff out on the way, but I think that's the, that's the joy of gardening. You know, I was um, uh, wandering around my garden uh, this morning before I started uh, chatting to you guys. And it's that kind of, uh,
5: you, you just never stop learning. Every Everything you observe, every, every
6: little minutia, every plant response to every climatic change, it's, it, it, it's all those subtleties. And I think, yeah I think there's something lovely about that and being able to just just continue continue learning continue growing
1: garden growing isn't there and and the fact that it really does allow you to speak to people and and build connections with your neighbours that you might not see if you were just tucked away out the back so yeah
4: and, and it's it's you know um another thing about front garden growing um is that in it's certainly in central london and i'm sure it's the same in lots of urban environments you cannot get an allotment for love or money mm-hmm. you know um my local borough islington um, they closed the list ages ago, and even if you are on the list, it's probably ten years before you're going to get 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 a plot. Which is, if you don't have any outside space, even a front garden, it's very depressing if you've got that urge to grow. Yeah. So I think now is the time to sort of, you know, everyone's at home a lot. If you see an unloved front garden, is to knock on the door, say, "Oh, I'd love to help you with your garden," <laughs> and it is a win-win because, the well, they get somebody to make their garden look lovely. Um, and you, they, you can share, and all they you. get
1: some freebies out of it as well.
4: Yeah, you get all the produce, uh, not all of it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. But you share it, and also it greens up the neighbourhood. So it's not just for you or that neighbour; it's the whole neighbourhood who benefit. Mm-hmm. And during lockdown, people were doing their daily walks, not going too far, just walking locally. And and if you're out there saying, oh, I love this, you're my root. I love this garden, mm. you know, and they they want to talk to you and that. So I think it's not just you; it's just not the neighbour; it's the whole community that benefits when you do front gardening.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, I think TV, but that really work. Have you got any of those?
14: Oh, uh, let's think. I mean, I I lean. I, I lean on feeding my plants. I don't know if Monty Don does this, but I I really love either liquid seaweed or homemade nettle and comfrey, and I just or comfrey tea, and I, because I just think even if you're absolutely one hundred percent confident in your soil, you just. You know, you never know, frankly. <laughs> and I, I always just think I, 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 every other week, maybe just a little bit of a boost with seaweed feed is always something the plants seem to really appreciate. And, and here, you know, with this Sussex clay, we know that it's full of full of nutrients, but also it's the first year, and and so my my courgettes quite quite quickly got uh, yellow leaves, and I was just like, oh, you know, I know that there's there's nutrients in there, but they obviously can't get to them, so I gave them a little bit of a a liquid seaweed feed and they are looking amazing and so i think if in doubt feed your plants you know if just 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 to be sure they don't don't mind a little boost of nutrients i always think of it as a bit of a multivitamin (laughs)
1: <laughs> i swear by that seaweed feed honestly. yeah me too. i think it really works and um i think it gets to a point where my plants are like all right we get it you know you want us to grow faster <laughs> I don't, it's like the like plant equivalent of when you squeeze a pet too tightly <laughs> like, just like pouring seaweed on but it, absolutely I think it works.
14: I think, it's, I think it's a gesture of love, as is a, <laughs> yes. as is a too tight <laughs> squeeze of a hamster. Yes. It is a gesture of love. I do think You might
1: so. kill them, but, you know, at least you were. Probably not. <laughs> They'll be it. They'll be okay. That last clip is my favourite moment of the whole series, it's I think. It's so good. Partly because it? I just love making people laugh. so and good. Partly because I stand by it. I put seaweed feed too much, I think, on all of my plants
0: Your parents <laughs> probably don't think it's too much They probably love it Yeah they love it They know they're cared for <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's really reassuring To hear Nick Bailey saying that He's referred to as an expert but has spent longer making mistakes I think it makes hearing someone like him say that makes us feel better about the mistakes that we make in the garden
1: I know I'd actually forgotten we'd had him on this series it feels like a while ago but it was really nice like hearing his voice come in
0: yeah yeah we've had so many great guests it's been a real
1: treat um and my final thing to talk about about those clips was Caitlin's confession that she's a charles dowding fangirl and then us <laughs> saying that he'd been on the podcast yeah. i love that moment
0: yeah and i mean i think a lot of people are <laughs>
1: Um, so here on The Dirt, we don't take ourselves too seriously, as you'll know, and we do love to get together for a catch up about the latest gardening news, topical chit chat and updates from our own gardens. So finally, let's have a listen to some of the funny and silly team chat moments from series two, including that momentous time I lost my figinity. Oh, That's oh.
14: <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I have
1: lots of good stuff to say. And also going to tell you because you weren't here for it. I went to the garden center at the weekend and <gasps> bought a sweet potato plant oh, that really? you know I'm going to kill off pretty quickly.
3: <laughs> Don't say that. I believe in you.
1: <laughs> Thanks. You can do it. I'm glad somebody does. But um, I was saying how it feels like a good tester to try it out this year yeah get a feel for like what it needs and I've done some research on it and then next year maybe go full steam ahead with like a full crop that will be the one. potatoes yeah oh, so we'll see so how cool. it goes
3: have you planted it or isn't I can't remember this time
1: uh yeah it's well I haven't done yet I need to plant it out pretty oh. quickly I think because the year is racing away but yes. um
3: I know they're a bit tricky but um, like you say, trial run. And then if it goes well next year, you can bring some into the office when we go back. Cause
0: I love yeah, we'll potatoes. be coming to you <laughs> for our sweet potato fries.
3: Yeah, I think they're, oh, I they're better than normal potatoes, let's be honest.
1: Do you remember when I went through that phase of having sweet potato <laughs> jacket, jacket <laughs> yes. sweet potato? Yeah, I never honestly. know which way round to say it. Um, and I did that for like so many lunch times. But last I have year. to admit,
0: I've never had worse lunch envy than I have with you. Oh, that's. They looked good with all the toppings. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you used it's... to always have such exciting lunches
1: in the office. Op- okay, yes. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but baked sweet potato hummus, <laughs> maybe even like some salsa, Ooh. spring onions. Yeah. Um, like what else did I used to have? Falafel, oh, chili. You used to have falafel, falafel as yeah. well.
3: Oh, you can put God. anything in there sometimes I, I just cook it in the microwave and have it like oh I used to have of baked beans but that's a bit weird because you know sometimes
1: the baked beans are a bit too sweet a baked beans with jacket potato combo is fine but i feel like sweet potato is a bit more bougie so yeah it deserves more yeah. yeah. it feels like yeah, yeah exactly
0: i would also like to say i enjoy how we're
1: Okay, so a while back we said that we were going to try some new fruit that we'd never tried before. We did, um, and I would like it to be known that one of us went to the shop and got some fruit that we'd never tried before, and two people didn't.
0: <laughs> I just have to say, in absolute fairness to Rose and I, dragon fruit is harder to come across in your conventional supermarket. Yeah, that is true. There's been none round here, but I mean, we'll support you. I'll say the queue was very long. <laughs> We'll coach you,
3: we'll help So yeah, Yeah. I did
1: go and buy some figs and I'm going to give one a go now, um, just because I've never ever had one before. I'm excited. I feel like I'm missing out because people talk a lot about them. So if you heard that cracking, that was me opening the thing and I'm now slicing it open. (laughs) They're smaller than I've always thought they would be. I've never really paid much attention to them before. Apart from Laura's
3: one. Laura's
0: huge
1: (laughs) fig. Oh, okay. I've sliced it now and I'm smelling it and it doesn't really have um, much of a smell, does it?
0: Oh, do you, uh, No.
3: It just kind
1: of smells fresh and watery, if that's a smell. I uh,
3: don't really think. Does water have a smell? But I get your drift. What about the mm. texture? Do you like the texture of it?
1: I haven't eaten it yet.
3: Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead um, of myself.
1: Yeah. I'm just looking at it. It's very squishy. Okay, so do I just eat everything?
0: Yeah. You can do it. Or if you don't think you want to eat the outside, you can always scrape the (laughs) center (laughs) out. (laughs) Did you get the crunch? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, so if I've just scooped out the insides, and it's quite nice. Mm. I've grown up with like a major phobia of fruit, so.
0: It doesn't Mm. feel much like fruit, though, does it? It feels like.
1: I like how crunchy it is inside.
0: Is it crunchy? They're not always. <laughs> They're the seeds. Oh,
1: have you really like... eaten one before? Rose? Yeah, I
3: swear. I've forgotten about it though, because I ate one ages ago. But I do
0: like them. They're oh, so I guess I... it depends on the ripeness.
1: Mm. What are your ones like from the tree, Laura? <laughs>
0: <laughs> really nice. I actually had already eaten mine because I thought I wouldn't bring the conversation back round to my fig tree again. But in the absence of any dragon fruit, and I promise Rose and I will do our side of the bargain. When we can eventually find some. Yeah. But yeah, mine was nice. Probably could have done with a day or two more on the tree, but it had split. So I felt like it was asking to be eaten. And it was enormous. Hand-sized almost.
1: I've always um, wondered... But
3: I'm not too sure.
1: Um, Another thing that is quite good with gimmicky novelty things like this is that it's quite fun for young people. You know, like, if you want to get your kids out gardening, then a good way to do it is to be like, look at this cool novel thing, you know. Um, So I think it's got a multitude of benefits as well as some drawbacks.
3: Yeah, definitely. And like, there's some squashes you can buy that have stripes on them. So when they grow, they look like snakes. And then you can get your children to paint faces on them. So that's a gimmick at the same time. And it'll still taste delicious.
13: What I like to do with my daughter, who's three and a half is we grow raspberries. Um, We don't grow grapes. Maybe we should if the climate was a bit warmer. But if if you get a grape and you get a raspberry, uh, uh, yeah, and you put the top of the raspberry on the grape and you balance it in a certain way and draw a face on it, it looks like the raspberry's their hair or a little helmet. (laughs) That's a fun activity for (laughs) (laughs) three-year-olds. do you do this
1: for for yourself dan really is that the truth
13: well yeah because you know if you've got youngsters you have to cut up the grapes afterwards but if you do it for adults they can stay like that for ages it's amazing (laughs) always makes me
3: happy
1: in the time since we did that recording of that interview i've had time to make a cup of tea and i popped out and looked at my hanging basket of salad leaves um because there's this resident cabbage white butterfly that's been flying around and because I tend to sit in the kitchen to record I'm looking out the window and I keep spotting it getting distracted by it because I'm like Go away, don't lay your eggs. But it did, and there's a little caterpillar farm now growing oh, in, right. in amongst oh. my salad leaves, which is both sad, but also yeah. really cute. There are so many that of is them. not what you want. And they're just like munching their way through. So I've given up <laughs> on those, but they're just they're just happily munching their way through. And i would be I went out to have a little look and they're growing so quickly. You just have to
3: sacrifice them for the greater good of the butterfly population, even exactly. though it's sad. <laughs>
1: yes I don't need they need these leaves more than what I do so I'm just going to lead them to do their thing
3: speaking of finding things outside actually I went outside this morning and I thought all my cucumbers were really small and I found a really big cucumber which was (gasps) hidden like behind the pot and I was shocked and I was like oh my god I've actually grown something that's a good size so that filled me with uh hope for my gardening <laughs> and pursuits so i will update you on my cucumbers but yes. i was really pleased with that
1: when you eventually harvest it i want like photos of you eating it Definitely. i want to see uh-huh. what you do with it
3: it'll be like a step-by-step going out in yeah. the garden picking like it, the best salad it.
1: or sandwich that you've ever eaten
3: yes i'm so excited.
1: Well, I'm just going to throw out there, actually, you're talking about the small gardens thing is interesting because uh, my story is an illusion trend that's going around Facebook at the moment, which is a little crafty thing you can do, not particularly in your edible garden, but just in your small outdoor space if you've got one, yeah. is to put up a shower curtain with a really cool picture or image on it, and it makes your garden look bigger.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> really does it work
1: <laughs> apparently a lot of people are doing this and mm. it kind of does I don't know whether when you get up close you're just like yeah this is a shower curtain
3: <laughs> but some of the designs are sort of pretty uh it's not like a subtly sort of I think one's like a giant water fountain like some kind of like yeah castle like garden sort of exactly Allusion. I think
1: maybe if your eyesight's not that good then you would believe it be tricked but <laughs> oh. I think it's more an optical illusion so it does just kind of when you're sitting there make it feel bigger but I thought they were quite cool and obviously shower curtains aren't that expensive yeah. so instead of like buying a bigger house with a bigger garden <laughs> just do yeah. this well, and trick yourself
3: <laughs> it's kind of a bit similar to how people put mirrors up in like narrow hallways look yeah. bigger. Yeah. so maybe you could also I don't know if that would work you could use a big bit of glass I guess as well like on a wall or something. I was Um, thinking
1: that but then I was thinking about the sun hitting a mirror outside and that might be a bit dangerous (laughs) like where it reflects or something. Yeah
3: that is very (laughs) true. Because they do
1: say when you're putting up a mirror inside you should be careful that uh, the sun isn't shining through the window in case it like leads to fires and stuff.
0: Yeah maybe not. that, That said I'm fairly sure but in garden centres and stuff they have some of those things that look like bits of trellis that then have like mirrored plastic yeah in the back. Yeah. yeah so I mean I guess just that go in true. your garden with eye protection on
3: I love this shower curtain trend though I think that is really fun and um I don't know I think it's good to sort of try something new I think a lot of the time people focus on having like the most perfect outdoor space but why can't you make it fun like why can't you find like a fun yeah. shower curtain? And if you get if bored, you is. can just change it. Yeah, that is so true. Like especially if you had like different, one for each have, like, different... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a wintery
3: one, or like or... different
1: occasions, like dinner party, I put up this one, and <laughs> yeah. Christmas, I put up this one.
0: It would be particularly good at the moment when travel is still pretty much off the <laughs> cards so that maybe you can just put up some like holiday scenes
1: in the <laughs> yeah. background well, I
3: think and then sit out there. One of them is like a sort of um, like Italian, like sort of bistro-y vibe. Sort it does of one. look like so, that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah, like if you're not going away you can just sort of put a spanish tapas bar one of them and, stuff <laughs>
10: and
3: pretend that you're on broad
0: they go hand in hand really nicely
1: um so last time dan when you were on we were laura you might not know this but we were talking about gardening gimmicks and actually um i got a good press release the other day about uh Gardening gimmick that I thought was quite cool, and it's pencils that have seeds in them so that when you've finished, you know, when you get like really small pencils at the end because you've just been writing your drawing so much stuff, yeah, and you then have to chuck it out. Well, you don't chuck it out, you plant it in some soil, and then plants grow from it.
13: Oh, that's cool! Yeah, I really like that idea. How how long does it take? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's got all of the like nutrients and kind of like feeds and stuff in in the nib of the pen as well. I don't really know how long it takes
1: for the, the pencil must have to break down a bit before it can start growing.
0: Or are the seeds in like a casing in the end or something?
13: Maybe. I mean, what I would personally like to do is I'd like to get one of these pencils, water the top of it every so often as I'm writing. <laughs> so then I'd have like a plant on the end of my pencil. That you like can a try fun idea. that one wow. out.
1: Report
0: back to us, Dan. Report back.
1: I love stationery and I love plants, so it yes. feels like a really good fusion of interests here.
0: Mm. And it is a pencil that you can then justify adding to your stationery collection. Yeah. Because it is also being added to your plants collection.
13: I, I'm I'm also a big fan of like potted plants in the office around desks and things like that, whether it's at home or whether it's at work. So now you've got the perfect excuse because you just stick it in a little pot of soil on your desk when you finish writing. Yeah.
0: This is true. I think that's really cool.
13: Every office needs this.
0: Yes, that's a really cool idea.
13: I mean not not to lower the tone at all, but let's just go
0: Oh it was so nice to have Dan on the team chat again and I do wonder if he is growing his Pencil plants, we'll have to ask him.
1: Yes, Uh, he's been on a few times this series, hasn't he? It's been nice having him back, but I hope he doesn't get too comfortable and think that he's going to steal our position (gasps) as the (laughs) full-time co-host. But it is lovely having him there. (laughs) (laughs) It has been really nice recording this series, and especially, I think, because of the bizarre nature of everything that's going on right now and the fact that we've still been working from home just being able to catch up each week has been lovely
0: yeah keeping in touch and having a bit of a chat i mean missing those tea round chats in the in the communal kitchen and things so it's nice to to still have that
1: i think we should do it all again sometime
0: yeah well i'll tell you what i think we will so (laughs) the best thing to do will be to keep an eye on our social media platforms where we'll be announcing the dates for Series 3 very soon.
1: I can't wait.
0: No, me either. It will be so fun. And as we mentioned earlier, if you would like to be a guest on The Dirt, get in touch because we would love to hear from you. So from everyone here at The Dirt, from Rose, from Dan, from Blake and me, until next time, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for The Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7 that's G. POD and the number 7 or call 0800 904 7000 and quote "Gpod7" to receive 7 issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just 29.99. That's 11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list. And a big bonus, each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.